0: life.
1: Bigfoot big Club for life.
2: club.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bigfoot Club. Robert Jensen Dominguez, Ash Tucker, Chris Collins, Stephen Robert Dominguez, Earl the Kennedy. Believe in us. Believe in Bigfoot Club because we are too sweet. Hey everybody, Robert Jesse Dominguez, Bigfoot Club Season Two Episode Twenty. Hey, um, this is actually a different podcast today. I'm actually um, I got permission to do this from uh, Dark Side of the Insanity uh, from the Paranormal Junkyard um, group. uh, James Minyard and Jamie they uh, interviewed me uh, on May the 22nd on a Friday and um, they're allowing me to actually resubmit this under Bigfoot Club. So this is my interview with them. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. So here we go.
2: you may be around the
0: world you're listening to
2: dark side of insanity
0: with jamie and james (laughs) hello everybody
2: how's everyone doing tonight we have a special guest with us Uh, his name is robert dominguez he is a bigfoot researcher and paranormal investigator how are you doing tonight, Robert? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: It's awesome. our pleasure.
1: So, could you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yes. Um, well, I can I can say this for sure. I I've, I'm doing a predominantly like podcast stuff right now, but i've I've done I've done Bigfoot stuff since 1999, and. I've done paranormal stuff since 2011, and I've kind of slowed down a little bit, but uh, I'm still um, I'm still the admin. I'm the admin for Paranormal Investigations of, of North Texas, and I kind of lead that. And I kind of when people reach out to me there, I kind of um, just kind of assist them and try to get uh, them to get help. And if they're seeking help or seeking uh, something, some kind of resolution for for like a paranormal uh, incident, I kind of assist them on that. So but that's, that's where I'm at right now.
2: That's awesome. So, uh, what kind of incidents have you dealt with when doing, uh, dealing with the paranormal? Um, I usually, uh, you know, it's,
1: it's funny that you say that cause like I've gotten, I've gotten some, I got some strange cases and I, people reach out to me on, on the, on the Penn Texas uh, Facebook group. And there's a couple of them I got and, and I wasn't able to hear back for them. One of them was a, a story of this guy. Uh, I believe he was in Killeen and think he was on the, on the, on the, on the military base on Killeen. And he reached out to me and uh, he said, that he had, he called me up and he, uh, this is back whenever uh, we had, we had a uh, Penn Texas website. He reached out to me on that. And so, I called him up and he he was claiming that he had just got he just got back from deployment and he was on base at at a housing unit by himself. And I guess um, he had just got divorced or something. And um, he had a he had a dog with him and he was um, his dog jumped up. He was like in the evening time watching TV or something. And um, his dog jumped up and uh, ran to the back of the house. So he went back there. He pulled out his service weapon, went to the back and he thought it was a burglar. And it was this this image or this um, silhouette and it was facing, I guess, the back of his the back of his room. And it turned around and it didn't have a face and it said, um, we are many and then disappeared. So he kinda he kinda freaked out. <laughs>
2: he kinda oh, yeah. he kinda freaked
1: out and you know, uh <laughs> he reached he you know, he, he I guess he went to like a like a hotel or, or a motel and emailed me and that's how he reached out to me. So I called him and we talked a little bit and um man, it was like uh I was trying I was trying to help the guy, but he 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 didn't return like he,
2: like any of my calls.
1: Hmm. So that was kinda odd.
2: <laughs> it sounds like it. I wonder if he ever got that figured out. I
1: I kinda I I kinda feel like he, he was kinda reluctant to do it because it was on it was on base and he was maybe embarrassed or something. I'm not sure
2: that uh could possibly be so um have you uh i know you do uh bigfoot research mm-hmm. uh,
0: have you ever caught anything like any sounds
2: um
1: you, you know i think what, whenever i first started in bigfoot stuff oh. and um I was with a group called the Texas Bigfoot Research Center, the TBRC. They're now called the North the North American Grade Ape Conservancy, something I forgot. But anyway, but whenever I was with them, um, we 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 did put a bunch of cameras out. We would put a bunch of audio stuff, and we didn't find very. We didn't. I mean, we did, we got a bunch of stuff, but it belongs to them, so I don't. I don't have it. And whenever I was uh, independent doing, like, independent stuff, I did capture a bunch of stuff in the woods, uh, Lamar County, um, Paris, Texas. um, That's in East Texas. I did catch a bunch of stuff there. But, however, the gentleman that I was on his property for, uh, I was on his property doing it. um, He asked me not to release anything because he didn't want anybody coming to research on his property. So I didn't. So I didn't. We didn't keep it, so I did catch a bunch of stuff, and it was, like, it was amazing. It was, like, we were we were getting calls, and uh, we were getting, I think, a lot of times we were getting, like, a bunch of mimic calls, so we were, you would hear a horse, and at the very end of the horse, you would hear, you know, and it was, like, that was odd, <laughs> you know, you would hear, <laughs> rrr, rrr, rrr. so it was, like, oh, <laughs> horses don't do that, so... <laughs> So to, oh, right. to, to answer your question, Jamie, yeah, I did. I did catch some stuff, but I'm I'm not allowed to share it because I promised this guy, and he's already passed on,
2: that I would not do it. So I'm not I'm not going to do it.
0: Understandable.
2: So, uh, with, have you caught any other evidence, like video or footprints, or like uh, tangible? uh stuff besides just sounds
1: you know yeah, yeah actually i went like again like i was saying when i was with the with the tbrc uh that was our goal was was to document and to uh verify and to prove this animal existed like in east texas and that was our goal and i was i was all aboard on that and that this was like in 99 to 2003 i left the group in 2003 and decided to go on my own uh the group was doing stuff that i i didn't agree with so i left and once I, once I left and did, like, independent stuff, I, I changed a little bit. So I didn't I no longer cared about documenting stuff. I, I cared more about helping people. So, because, I mean, let's face it. There's some people, like, in East Texas who see this animal, and they don't know what to do. I mean, why, why are they seeing it? Um, if they talk to a spouse, and they don't believe them, and they talk to... You know, local law enforcement, they don't believe them. They don't have nowhere to go. So there was a lot of people who needed help. So I, I reached out to a lot of people, and, and people reached out to me too. And I, I would just help them deal with it and kind of uh, go from there. So.
2: Okay. Uh, there's a some people and a lot of theories that uh, say that Bigfoot is not a uh, flesh and blood creature that it's like extra dimensional that they see them after they see like UFOs and that they just pop in and out of our reality. Do you think that might pop that, that could be a possibility or do you believe that it's just a flesh and blood creature that only, a you know, some people have actually seen.
1: Yeah, that's actually, that's actually a good question. Um, again like i said whenever i first joined the tbrc uh we were that was that was the old school way of, of, think, of thinking of stuff we we would that that's what um you know i'm gonna name drop uh luke gross he's he's my mentor um and he was the one that helped start the tbrc and and he'll tell you this if you ever get to, get to talk to him he'll uh, he'll tell you like the exact same thing i'm a, i'm about to say when when we first got into bigfoot like in 99 he was he was in bigfoot before i was and um, by the time by the time we formed the group the the Tbrc that was that was our that was our our uh, motto was that that Bigfoot was flesh and blood and that was it and so we, anybody that came to us with a story about portals or dimensions or shape-shifting we just we, we just cut them off we said no don't want to hear it but as i as i left the group in three and then i started doing my own like you know you know independent research and talking to people because like whenever you're with a group you're you're kind of only allowed to talk to start, like certain groups of people or or witness people and that's it
2: right
1: so when you're like a, a independent you can go wherever you want talk to whoever you want so i talked to a lot of native american people in oklahoma and texas and they actually believe that you know that this creature is uh, is part of the earth and part of you know the earth spirit and the earth tree and all that stuff so i'm i'm more open to it now Okay. Before I wasn't, but now I am cuz I mean I I I've I've talked to so many people and gotten so many uh stories on portals and, you know, shape shifting and, you know, I, I I can't you know, I can't prove it. It's like conjecture. I can't prove it, but I can just take the story and just go with it.
2: Right. <clears throat> so, uh getting to like the Native American uh back I'm, I, I'm, I'm assuming since you do research on, you know, probably quite a bit about uh, some of the Native American stories. Like mm-hmm. how long back uh, did, you know, the stories come from and things like that. Uh, so how long ago do you think those people actually started having eyewitness accounts of Bigfoot?
1: You, are you thinking about? Are you talking about North America in general, or are you like Texas in general? Uh, everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> you know, there's. You know, there's. I did a. I did a show uh, on my podcast, uh, Bigfoot Club Podcast, um, about um, Vikings um, coming across. I can't. I'm gonna totally, spasm. This. <laughs> I'm not gonna remember what year it was, but it was like it was a hundred years before Christopher Columbus. And Vikings from uh, uh Greenland came over to uh North America and they ran into they say what what they call like a bigfoot and they actually did talk to Native Americans, so Native Americans were telling them that you know that this that this entity or this being was around so I mean it dates back like before Columbus, okay.
2: So, uh, let's see, uh, there's stories from all around the world. You have like the Himalayan Yeti, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's the Australian Yahweh. Yahweh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think they're all the same creature or do you think that maybe they're just related in some way? I, you know, to be <laughs> honest,
1: that's actually a really good question. Um, <laughs> They're, I think they're related oh, aware because like most of the most of the stuff I've done in East Texas Oklahoma Arkansas Louisiana they're the Bigfoots here are you know they range from different sizes but they're they're uh they go from I don't know 300 to 500 pounds and seven feet tall and I hear there's some stories in like uh Pacific Northwest that they're you know eight to nine feet tall you know 900 pounds and then I hear the uh, yetis even bigger so I mean you know, and I'll be honest with you, I haven't read that much about Yowie, Um, but uh, I, I just, I, it's, it's a different continent, so I just, I'm just going to assume it's a, it's a, it's a different breed and, you know, and that's, that's actually a really, a really good question though.
2: <laughs> Definitely. Um, I personally, uh, I think it was what, two months ago, had mm-hmm. my own experience. I was actually really, live, Yeah. We ha- uh, live in like northeast Alabama, so uh, mm. I the like, outside of our camper, and we've got like the edge of like a—I wouldn't say forest, but I mean it—it's
0: it nothing really but is. woods basically. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I could have sworn because it was nighttime, I didn't see like any creature or nothing, but uh, I don't think it was a deer that did it. Uh, all the way from one side of the woods to like the other side, which probably is a hundred yards, I heard something running through them and the big trees. I mean, like six, seven inches or more. And I could see the tops of them just swaying back and forth as something was running through there. Swaying That's back me. and forth? Yeah. Wow, that's actually
1: a telltale sign because um, most of the stories that I've talked to, and if if, any, if your listeners listen to the, our, our podcast, uh, the uh, Bigfoot Club podcast, there's a couple stories of uh, a gentleman seeing a, a Bigfoot in uh, Longview, Texas. And, and before he told me this story, when this thing popped out, I asked him, I said, was it swaying back and forth? And he goes, yes, it was. I go, did it show you its teeth? He goes, yes. He goes, man, were you there? And I it's just that's just a telltale sign because they uh, I, I'm assuming they, they do that because of the displacement of the weight of their weight whenever they're whenever they're walking.
2: Yeah, it's like even I'm, I'm like in disbelief whenever I saw it, I'm like, no, it's just a deer or something like that. I'm like, no, a deer can't really move trees like that. Yeah. What where was, where was this at again? Uh, northeast Alabama.
1: Okay. Um not not Bankhead National Forest, right?
2: No. No, not that I know. No, this is near uh Fort Payne. Okay. Um okay, I was just looking on the map, I'm just trying to trying to get
1: a, <laughs> just trying to get an idea. So anyway. I, I I get I I get let's see, you got me into research mode already. <laughs> <laughs> so, so oh man. Um I did listen to your BFRO. I can't think of the guy's name. Ron Bowles. Boyle? Um, yeah. I did listen to that that episode. It was pretty intriguing. <laughs> so, I actually wanted to, I actually wanted to touch up on that because um, I I never and I hate doing this and I I shouldn't say the word hate. It's <laughs> that's the strong word. I I don't like I don't like pushing the the BFRO. That's just me. But, yeah. um, but they actually have one of the, the best database websites. So if you're interested in Bigfoot and you want to know what's going on in your county, that's actually like the, like the best one to look at.
2: Look Oh, definitely. Uh, do you know if there are any other database websites out there besides Bfro? Um. Bobby short had a,
1: Bobby short had a good one, and she's she's already she's already passed on. She does she does Bigfoot encounters and I don't think, I don't think it's updated anymore. Like before, whenever I first got into Bigfoot before I, I was, I was, came on to the, like to the BFRO, I went to her website and she's a, she was a great lady and nobody, nobody talks about her, Bobby short. And she, she passed away, I think in 2013, 14 and, uh, she had one of the best websites i've ever seen and this was like before this was like whenever you had dial-up this was a while back
2: oh wow <laughs> so,
1: so she had a really good website she had a really good website but again i said i don't think their update i don't think her, her grandson took it over and i don't think he's updating like anymore but um <laughs> the, the 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 group that i was with noac or tbrc and they changed over to north american Great ape or wood ape conservancy or something. They have a they have a decent one, and I think they kind of they kind of mirror the the BFR one, so they kind of share like information. Right. But uh, there's other groups that have databases, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push them because I don't <laughs> you know I don't think they're good I don't think they're positive groups, so I'm not I'm not gonna push them.
2: Definitely. So, <laughs> sorry. No, that's all good.
0: Also my grand, my grandmother when she was a younger child up here where we're living at now when they was building a house mm-hmm. that had burned down not maybe about 5 years ago uh-huh. it burned down but when she was first building it when they was first building it they my grandmother had smelled something like a skunk yeah. out And she, she, it was funny like she said it. She said, she told me she said that um, she thought it was a panther or a Sasquatch. I can't do it her way. (laughs) (laughs) It's just hard to read.
1: So she she was building it out. She was building it out. What now? She was, she was building the house there. And then what else happened?
0: They was something that started coming like a strong odor. Uh-huh. And she turned around and it looked like it was about eight feet tall. And <laughs> next thing you know, all the kids run into the house. Wow. Yeah.
1: What what do you do you know what year this was? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know
1: that one. The '80s, maybe.
0: It was probably later than that because my mom was born, okay, 1981 <laughs> or two, 1982.
1: Yeah, that's that's actually that's actually pretty common. That's actually pretty common. Whenever whenever you're whenever you're building out on, on onto a land, um, and Bigfoots are not used to it, they'll come out and they'll see what's going on and. I, I did have a I did have a story once when I was I moved up to Tulsa from 2009 to 2011 and um, I did have a story in the the east part of north of, between um, Tulsa and I think that's um, uh, Kansas City and um, there was a story of this lady reached out to me and she said that she had she had gotten this land from um, uh, what was it. It was inheritance or something. And so she was building a house there. And so she had a mobile home that she set up in this in this part of this area. And it was really rural. And she said in the middle of the night, a Bigfoot would come and slap on the mobile home, you know, in the middle of the night. And she, at first, she didn't know it was a Bigfoot. She didn't know what was going on. And, you know, she she would go outside and look. And her, I think her husband was like a warehouse guy. He worked at night, so he wasn't there. And so she was getting, her, her mobile home was getting slapped in the middle of the night. And she didn't know what, what to do, so she reached out to me in Tulsa, and um, she says, uh, hey, uh, I don't know what to do, and um, I, I, I'm thinking it's like a Bigfoot, so I, I, I asked her for the address, and I looked it up, it was really rural in the area, so I asked her, I go, is there a Walmart by you? And she goes, yeah. I said, go there and buy game trackers. Buy some game trackers, buy some poles, you know, put them around your house, and just face them toward the woods all around your house and you won't see it again. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was our, that was the theory that I had is that these, these Bigfoots were avoiding game trackers. And so it, the, to go off your story about the Bigfoot coming when your grandmother was building the house, that, that's common. That's common. So that, that's interesting.
0: She realized that they was building it on some things. Yeah. Because she told me that, and she said, well, that screaming you told me about that you heard. Yeah. reminded me of that story that happened to me when I was younger, way younger.
1: That's that's interesting.
0: Yeah, Um, I've heard screams sitting on the front porch at my grandmother's trailer.
1: Man, um but I think my my mom my mom told me a similar story she was she used to pick she used to pick uh vegetables when she was younger and this was like I don't know like 19, 1940s maybe uh late 40s early 50s and uh, my mom had told me a story about her and my grandfather went up to uh Indiana and it was like it was called Indiana harbor and yeah. they were they were picking parsley and I think um. I want to say parsley and broccoli, I think. And my mom had was telling me the story, and she told me that that um, they heard like a, a roar, like in in the woods, coming toward them. And uh, you know, all the workers there were all Spanish, and so they were all yelling "oso." Oso means bear. And so every, everybody got in their vehicles and took off. And I go, "Did you see this bear?" And she goes, "No." And I go, Mom, I go, I go, bears don't vocalize like that unless you run into them. I go, if they don't, if if bears don't see you, they're not going to vocalize, they're not going to scream. I go, I think you had a Bigfoot stuff. And so she goes, Really? My mom goes, Really? I go, Yeah. I go, I go, what else was going on? She goes, This, this bear was like shaking trees. I said, Bears don't do that. I go, Bigfoots do. So my mom didn't know it. In the '40s, she had like a, a Bigfoot incident. So, oh wow, <laughs> I know, right?
2: <laughs> so, going,
1: going off e- each other's stories about moms and stuff, that's that's kind of awesome. I love that.
2: Definitely. So, uh, besides Bigfoot, you also do paranormal investigation. Does that include ghosts or uh, spirits or other kinds of? paranormal encounters
1: yes I um I start I, it's 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 a funny story because actually I was doing bigfoot like I was telling you I was doing bigfoot stuff in the early 90s mm-hmm. and I left the group in 2003 and I was doing my own stuff uh from 2003 to 2011 and um I was I was recruited by Kendall Wilkerson she's actually the the founder of Penn Texas Penn, uh, Paranormal Investigations of North Texas and she recruited me, I guess, because, um, she needed a seasoned researcher and, um, she was forming this group and I've always been interested in paranormal. I just didn't know where to go or where to look or who to talk to. And, you know, I was going into chat rooms and stuff. And so she recruited me, I guess, cause, uh, she saw me on, uh, some website or something. And so she asked me if I wanted to, she saw, I was, I was in North Texas. She's in, uh, uh North, North Texas as well. And so she reached out to me and we ended up forming, um, Penn texas and she made me like the case director and so right away i was like thrown in and i was doing research uh we actually researched um uh, the, it's called i can't yeah i'm, I'm gonna spaz on this again too there's a hotel in downtown dallas it's called the lawrence hotel okay it's called the lawrence hotel but it's called something else now i don't know what it's called so I, I forgot so <laughs> um but we actually did it like 3 weeks before ghost lab did on the discovery channel and we actually got more evidence than those guys did so it was kind of kind of cool but but normally yeah normally we we would do like big places like a hotel or a warehouse but our 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 bread and butter was like families so if, if a family had an, had an incident, especially if it involves children, we we would, we would jump them up really high and, and, and do them like right away. And, um, but we, yeah we did we did do some residential stuff and some stuff that was uh, we, you know we debunked and some stuff that you know we would figure out we would try to document what was going on in their house, whether it's whether we thought it was you know demonic or you know just uh, residual or whatever. And if they and if they wanted help we, we had a we had a group of people that would stand by like we had like a, a priest, we had like a, a reverend and we had like a rabbi and um um somebody in, in, in Riki and stuff, so we had a, a little bit we had like a lot of help. So whenever someone wanted to get cleansed or something like that, so that's the route that we ended up taking.
2: Okay. So how often would you come across something demonic or would it be just spirits that might have been like trapped here or just haven't moved on or maybe it was like a residual haunting yeah um
1: you know i i personally haven't i haven't dealt with anything demonic um um but most of the stuff that i've run into has mostly been like like you said uh residual or just like i think most of the cases i end up doing was somebody that's not knowing that they're like a conduit you know someone who's who attracts spirits and entities and like we would like research like some people's houses i you know i can't you know give out people's names and stuff but we would actually research some people's houses and like we wouldn't find any history of like deaths on the the property or anything like that or anything on the grounds and and we finally concluded it was like one of the members of the family actually was like a like an antenna for for spirits. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And because um, like it just happens that way. So. Uh,
2: definitely. So how much research do you do in a place before you go in and investigate?
1: Um, I, I You know, I try to I try to do the best because that's that's the part of, that's the part of the stuff that I love. I love doing, I love doing background checks. I love doing research on someone's property. And I, I know I, I talked about this on crazy cat paranormal, um, podcasts. Um, but I would, I would, you know, I would go like if someone had like, like an incident, I would go to, um, the tax appraisals website and look up the address, look up the address. Then you look at, you know, who owns the house, um, the lot number, um, you know, stuff like that. And then from there, you can go to the county clerk's website and some, you know, some counties have it, some don't. Right. And, and you may have to go to the county clerk office yourself and go through, you know, stacks and stacks of books and stuff. But once you have like, you know, the like like the name of the, the person who's currently owned the house, then you can go to the county clerk's house and then look up uh, that name and Uh, Then you can find like deeds, you know, uh, tax liens, um, bill of sales. And, and, you know, some counties go back 100 years, some some don't. And then you could you could use that. You can like write down like who owned the house previously from the other owner. And then and then you would write down names. And then once you write down names, you could go to the library, the local library and start looking up, you know, old newspaper articles and trying to see, you know, who was born, who died, and then, whenever you do an investigation, then you can use it as um, as a way to get uh, responses. So, yeah.
2: so that's that's the way that I would do it. Right. So, wow, I I had a question. And I lost it. it happens more times than none. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. <clears throat> so, um, whenever you're in. Uh, doing your research how often do you come across a place that's had like a really horrible incident that's attached to it
1: i you know i haven't done i haven't done any any properties like that but the uh the lawrence hotel in downtown dallas um had they had i think it was built in like 1925 and um they did have a lot of deaths there and and it was and if and if you know downtown dallas there is uh, wfaa is the channel 8 news station that's right there beside it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then they have like a they have like a, a video tower that's right right behind it so that side of the building gets like enormous amount of emf and so if you're on if you're in that building you might think you have a paranormal incident because you're getting bombarded by emf so um that's crazy but
2: so for the uh listeners that don't know uh what kind of uh things can happen to you whenever you're getting bombarded by emf you 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 can you could um
1: hallucinate you could uh you can get you know some people get nauseated and vomit and um and you could get, like, anxiety, a constant anxiety, and you're not being able to sleep for, like, hours. So that's that's not good at all.
2: Uh, definitely. So uh, we do deal with conspiracies. Do you think the uh, new 5G technology might have the same uh, things go with it as regular AMF?
1: That's, that's, that's a good question.
2: <laughs> I
1: would, I, you know, I don't know. We have, we have to wait and see and wait and see what, what we get on that. Because that's, that's something that I've never, never even considered. But now that you mention it, yeah, we have to take that into account because like, you know, we don't know how it's going to act or you know, how, how it's going to treat people like, you know, six months from now, a year, two years. We we don't know.
2: Uh, definitely. That's a complete different type of show right there though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh a couple of things that I've asked other people, what is your take on Ouija boards? Uh I don't
1: like them. <laughs> I know that <laughs> I don't
2: I don't like them. Um I think
1: anytime any cause I, 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 I preach this on I don't I shouldn't say preach. I, I should I, I say this on Pentax's website all the time that if you you know, a lot of people don't believe in god or, or 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 the devil but just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not there so whenever whenever you, whenever you do a ouija board you open yourself to stuff that's not in this world and uh, that's just my my point of view it doesn't make me right or wrong but whenever you do whenever you do that you open yourself up so if you open yourself up to something that's not of this world then they're going to take advantage of it and use you as um as a vessel. And, um,
2: that's, that's just the
1: point of view I have.
2: So. Right. Um, well then if, uh, you open up yourself, wouldn't it, uh, be also a possibility that, uh, you go into a place and you're doing like EVP work, wouldn't that also maybe open yourself up to, uh, things as well?
1: if, if you say stuff like use me as your energy or use me as, um, you know, use me as a conduit, I I think that's when you do it. So if you, if you walk into a paranormal situation or investigation and before you do that, you, you know, you say whatever denomination you are, you say prayers, whatever. And then you just say, I want to accept it. I don't accept it. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to use me as a vessel. So, and then you go do the investigation. So once you do that, but if you, if you openly say it, then I think, you know, that's just me, how I, how I view it.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely. That leads me into another question. What do you do to protect yourself before an investigation?
1: Um, you know, I was, I was brought up, I was brought up in Christian. I was first brought up in as a Catholic and then I, and I conversed over to Christian. Enemy, and so, I always say prayers before I do something like that. And then uh, uh, Tanya Tanya Moret um, is my moderator for Penn Texas, and she she kind of got us into saging. And uh, my uh, my roommate has sage, so we kind of use that whenever we before we go into investigation. Uh,
2: so how exactly? I, I mean, you don't have to give exact details, but how would one go about? Saging a place to help protect themselves.
1: You know that is that is a good question that I I do not know because I that stuff like that I would I would hand that off to someone else someone else that's more experienced than I am. Um, there's a, there's actually there's actually some people in Penn Texas that specialize in that. Um, I probably should have asked them before I did the show, but um, but uh, yeah, I, that's actually a good question. I actually don't know, and i I'll, I'll be honest with that.
2: So, uh, are you a part of a, a group of people, or do you do your investigations solo? Well,
1: uh, whenever, whenever I was, when I was saying earlier, Kendall uh, recruited me to to do Pen Texas. We started in 2011, and about maybe I don't know around 2014, 15. Um, we the group disbanded, and um, there was a couple members on it. that were. They were really, really old, and they couldn't really get around that much anymore. And then we had some other members go out, of, go out of state, and go do get. They got better, you know, different jobs, so they went out of state. So it was just myself and Kendall. And Kendall decided to take a break from Pentaxis for a little bit, and so she handed she handed it to me. And so right now, uh, it's just it's just a Facebook group. And so I, whenever I took it over, we only had like sixty-seven members, and now. It's close to like five hundred, and um, so I I use that platform as um, information and education. So anybody that joins the group, I, I you know I, I vent them out and I kind of go with that as well. So right now, I'm not doing any investigations right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do get a lot of cases on it. So I, there's a, a good number of, of of different groups in within that group. So I'll actually hand off cases to people constantly. So I, I haven't done, I've been asked to go on some, but right now my schedule, my schedule right now is really, really busy. So I'm, you know, I'm still working um, for, I work for a medical company and so I'm still working um, 40 hours a week and then. I do a, my own podcast, uh, Bigfoot Club, and then I, I've told you off the show that I'm actually writing a comic book as well. So I'm actually right. just really, really busy. I haven't done any, I haven't done any um, paranormal investigations, but I've been asked to go on several, and I had to turn them down. But, but I, you know, I, I, I plan to ramp back up as soon as Kendall gets back. So, to answer your question, no, I'm not doing anything right now. <laughs>
2: So have you ever been to some place that you felt unsafe? Um, I'm not talking about like entities or demons or anything like that. I know a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of abandoned places where the person goes into and there's the other dangers. That's not.
1: Yeah. Unsafe. Um, that's actually a really good question. Um, on, on the Bigfoot club podcast, we, I can't remember what episode it is, but it's called Brown Springs, Oklahoma and um there was there was a story this is this is a really good one there was a story of a lady uh in gainesville texas that was found in and this is called thackerville oklahoma that's right behind i think the newly built casino there that that borders the oklahoma texas border and there was a lady that was found up there with her legs bent bent backwards and she was raped and killed and she was disemboweled and uh, we heard the story. I think it was like in the '90s, maybe late '80s, early '90s. I can't remember. But um, we had heard the story on the internet. It was like me and some other Bigfoot researchers, and uh, and one of the one of the I think the law enforcement had leaked out that it was it was primate DNA, and um, it got back to us, and so we decided to go check it out. This was in. I want to say 2005, 2006. And we went up, we, we drove up in this one area that's in Thackerville It's called Brown Springs. And so it's, ha- it has a little bit of history in it that, uh, in the, in the 1800s, there was, uh, there was, uh, I think a pioneer group going through and they, they kidnapped a native American girl and they raped her. And then she got away and made it back to her tribe. And, uh, this native American group, uh, went after this, this, uh, these settlers, and they, they beat them up pretty good, and they tied them down, and they left them for this entity that lived in that area called, called a dog man, and so, and then the I guess the that tribe had cursed that land, so they used to have natural springs, and so, and then these springs turned brown, so hence the name Brown Springs. Springs. So. We had we had researched all that, and then we went up to go investigate this area just to see if we can get a baseline on Bigfoot stuff. And so, whenever I got out of the vehicle, and this was right on the Red River, um, man, I I have never been in like in a Bigfoot area that had like something like pushing on my chest. Like it was like I had so much anxiety there. And I, as soon as I got out of the vehicle, I started walking around. You'd see like needles on the ground. It just didn't feel welcome there at all, and this was like during the day, and you know we walked around for a couple of hours, and I think um, we we had parked our vehicle like on the river, and then we walked around like you know a couple miles up up, up the river. We came back, and it was a uh, it was a big tree that was pushed down in front of our our vehicle. I said, "Man, that's not a good sign." <laughs> so 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 we heard a cry across the Red River. Like a, like a Bigfoot yell. So we mm-hmm. yelled, we yelled back. I yelled back. I did a, a Bigfoot cry back. It responded. And so, um, at the time I had, you know, two colleagues with me and then I had my, uh, I had my cousin with me cause he was like begging me to go do Bigfoot stuff. And I took him out and he was like, uh, <coughs> scared now. And so he was saying, we, I think we should leave. Uh-huh. And so that was that after we left that place, we went, I went back and I did research for the podcast and I le- later learned that, um, that the Dallas mob in uh, I guess in the fifties and sixties, used to dump bodies up there. And I didn't know that. Uh-huh. So it, it had, that area had the most negative vibe that I've ever been at, you know, paranormal or Bigfoot. Right. So that's, that area is like, Crazy, crazy, I I want to go back up there too. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, it sounds uh, pretty exciting. So um, you went in searching for finding another. <laughs> yeah, it was it was
1: crazy because I think um, we I had um Ken Marvel. Ken Marvel was one of the he was one of the investigators that went up there with me, and we did a podcast probably like three podcasts ago, and I was interviewing him. And he was telling me about when we were up there, and I don't, I don't recall this at all. He says that you know when we, because we were spread out walking on, walk, walking on the river, and he said he was like toward the end. He said he heard laughing like coming from the tree line, and that there's nobody out there, nobody in this area. And I said, what? And he was telling me about it. I said, I don't remember that. Because yeah, man, because he we heard laughing. It was me and your, and your nephew's wife. We heard it. And I said, why didn't you say to anybody? Because I did. I go, well, I guess I don't, I didn't remember, but. <laughs> But, mm-hmm. but we heard stuff like that, and so. So somebody had posed a question to me about, and I thought it was interesting. Someone had, I think someone, uh, one of the fans of the Bigfoot Club uh, podcast, was asking me, it was what if uh, the EMF was affecting the Bigfoot?" I go, "Man, that's a great question. I never thought of that."
2: <laughs> yeah, that's something I would have never thought of. <laughs> so
1: because it would have, it would have caused you because know, like normally. Normally, because like that area was was slightly populated, it, it had you know it had some you know some trees and stuff. But that area like that, we would normally wouldn't get Bigfoot stuff until like nightfall. Nightfall. So I don't know. This Bigfoot was like screaming back at us from the other side of the river. It was kind of crazy. So
2: <laughs> sounds like it. <clears throat> so <clears throat> sorry. Uh, when, um, that, uh, my mind just went blank. Uh, I do that uh, a lot too, so. (laughs) Yeah, that's the one bad thing about doing live shows is trying to, yeah, with things to say whenever, try to fill in the blank. Uh, so, uh, when did you, uh, Get started. What what brought you into wanting to research Bigfoot and the paranormal? Uh, uh, was it whenever he was a kid or later on in life? Yeah, that's actually that's actually a really good question. Um, I
1: I was born nineteen seventy. So um, my dad took me to a drive-in in seventy six or seventy seven. I can't remember. Maybe yeah, 76, 77. And we were look- we were looking at. Uh, the legend of Boggy Creek, and, right, and I was I was terrified, but I was I was like interested completely, and so, but ever since then, man, I was like a huge huge fan, and I was like I always dreamed of meeting uh Smoky Crabtree, so um I'd always dreamed about meeting him. So I I don't know I when I was a kid I did a bunch of uh I checked out a bunch of Bigfoot books from Renee de and um John Green. And I would do, like, uh, you know, book reports on it. And I would, like, draw pictures. And I was, like, so fascinated with it. And so I I do recall, I think I, I did ask the the uh, librarian to make copies for me on some, some articles and stuff. So it's kind of embarrassing. But because uh, I, I wasn't able to check out books. And um, I didn't want to get made fun of. So I would ask her to do, like, you know, run copies for me so I could like read like, you know, starts of books and stuff like that. So I did that. And once I did that, I, in the late nineties, I don't know. I, um, I was at work one day and I was at work one day and I typed in Bigfoot and it, and on the internet and this was like, you know, 98, 99 and it brought up some articles and stuff. And then I looked, I typed in Texas Bigfoot. And so I didn't think I was going to find anything. And it was, it was a Bigfoot conference in Ohio run by Don Keating. It was the 12th annual Bigfoot conference in uh, Newcomerstown, Ohio. And it was had a guy named Luke Gross. And it was like a little picture of him wearing a cowboy hat at this conference. And so for some reason, it had his email address. So I emailed him. I said, I go, hey, man, how does, how does one get, you know, how does one – uh, get involved in Texas Bigfoot. And so he emailed me back like in the next day. And I think he was in Missouri or something doing a Bigfoot deal. And he said he would be in town, be back in town for the next couple of days. And right. he'd reach out to me. So he reached out to me and we talked on the phone for like four hours. And this was like, in, like I said, 99. And uh, he says, Hey, I'm forming a, I'm forming TBRC and we're going to be meeting in East Dallas somewhere. So you want to, you want to join up? I said, yeah. So I was like one of the, 12 original members of TBRC and, and I got to, I got to join them and we were just starting up a website and, you know, cause like before that, I'll say this before that there was nothing in Texas that had anything, any, any website about Bigfoot until Luke gross came along. So in my mind, he's like, he's like the grandfather of Texas Bigfoot. So that was awesome. So once I got into that, you know, I got into doing sighting reports and, you know, we would get them on all hours of the night, and so it was it was just interesting stuff like that. I mean, I mean, we 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 came up with ideas that I think right now that no one else is no one else was doing back then. So, like we used to put up game cam game cams everywhere, you know, the game trackers that hunters used to to find deer and and like hog and stuff.
2: Almost definitely.
1: So we we were putting that out. We we, we were putting those out to you know try to catch Bigfoot and stuff. And I got to a point where, you know, that stuff, because back then that stuff was really expensive. It was really expensive. So, I mean, I mean, now it's cheap, but back then, like in the nineties and the 2000s, it was expensive. So this guy had an idea. I can't remember who it was, but he had a, he had a handheld camcorder. And so, you know, we ran out, we ran ran out of game cams. So we decided to like, let's just put it in a nook of a, a tree and we'll just put it you know, it'd be ghetto, you know, it'd be a ghetto one to do. So, so so, so we ended up putting this, this game, ca- this, 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 uh, handheld, like in a tree. We went back and, and looked at the video. And it looked like something was, like, walking up on it. And, like, I mean, we put it way in the woods where no one knew where it was at. And something walked up on it and was throwing branches in front of it. You know trying to trying to get the the trigger to, to take a picture take a flash yeah and so we had the idea that i go oh my god like these things can see it they can see like the infrared beam right and so i had the idea if people would see this thing and they didn't want to see it or it was coming behind their house and they didn't want to see it i said go to walmart buy some game cams point them toward the woods and you won't see this thing again yeah
2: So that makes complete sense. So
1: I mean, no one. I don't. I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about that, like on podcasts or bigfoot shows. I don't think anybody's ever talked about that. So,
2: Uh, I think I might have heard it on like the '90s Art Bell or something like that. Right on. It's it's, they hardly ever talk about it, but um, I don't think I've ever asked anybody uh, this, but. What is your take on? I'm sure you've heard of it, the Patterson Gimlin film. To me, that is that is the that's the holy grail of big food stuff.
1: So, I, I I look at that now, and I, I get shivers every time I look at it. And um, there is, a, I'll tell you a quick story on this. Okay. Um, I've always believed in that, and whenever I, because I, I was talking about. Don Keating's Bigfoot Conference uh, up in uh, New Newcomerstown That was the twelfth annual one that I reached out to Luke. I went the next the next year to the to the thirteenth annual one, and so, um, I went to that one, and I met up with a guy named Larry Lunn. and he was from Wash. He's from I think Northern California or Oregon. I can't I can't remember. And he was he was an older guy. who was like in his you know late fifties, early sixties at at the time. And he had like these albums and albums of Polaroids and, uh, you know, pictures and stuff. So he was showing me, he was showing me Bluff Creek. He showed me pictures of of Bluff Creek and he said he went down, he knew Roger Patterson, he knew Bob Gimlin, and so he went down like a week after that. And he was talking about, he was taking pictures of that area where that Bigfoot went through and he said that that area, that creek bed that it went through was uh, volcanic ash volcanic ash is very dense and it's you have to be a heavy animal like a horse to to put footprints on that
2: right
1: and he was like he, he was he they had I think I think I recall him saying that they took a mathematician out there to measure like the 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 length between each footstep mm-hmm. and they had determined it was like seven eight feet tall so I mean it was like it was a greater distance for anybody to like duplicate like a regular person oh, wow and so I, I i wish i kept in contact with him but he meant it was amazing to meet him and, and the, he showed me all these pictures and i was like i was a newbie at you know at the time i was trying to be a sponge and i thought it was awesome that i got to meet him and he talked about that story so anybody anytime someone asked me about the roger patterson stuff i believe it 100 percent. so uh
2: definitely so um I've heard, I don't know how true this is, but I've heard that at which point it was on their deathbed said that it was all a hoax.
1: I think uh, that's probably Roger Patterson, or not Roger Patterson, but uh, Bob Hieronymus. I think. Okay. So, um, I, don't, I gotta go back and look at that. But, um, <laughs> I don't know for sure, but I know there was a guy, Bob Hieronymus, that was claiming that he was wearing the suit. But, uh, I don't know. Larry, you know larry Lund says otherwise <laughs>
2: <laughs> right so and the details are pretty much in the video yeah the articulature of holes and the way that it, everything swings and yeah i mean you can even tell that it's female
1: <laughs> yeah uh, i don't really endorse this guy um uh, M.K. Davis, he does a lot of um, video stuff, and he looks a lot of um, footage and stuff. But he's bro- he's broken that down pretty good, and um, he shows a lot of that stuff. So,
2: so um, have you came? It's been a while since I've done any uh, research on Bigfoot. Have you came across any uh, video evidence that from like other people that might be? similar to the that film or any good evidence lately?
1: There's the the closest one that I that I can remember and I'm hoping I'm getting this guy's name right. Hold on. Let me, let me look it up real quick. Okay. But uh but prior prior to me joining um the the T B R C Lee Gross, my mentor had 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 uh, Interviewed this guy named Danny Sweeten, and if you look up if you look up Danny Sweeten Bigfoot video, uh, that's, I thought that was pretty real. And um, the story on this one is that he, had, from what I well, I recall, that he he had some property that he was using to go shoot weapons, and he had a he had a camcorder that he was going to record himself shooting these weapons, and so he was walking out to this property. It was in is in East Texas. And he was walking out to them, and I think he came across a bigfoot that was that was sleeping, and the, and the bigfoot jumped up, pushed him, and he did a, like a flip, and then knocked out his teeth, and the bigfoot took off running. And so this guy got up, and grabbed his camcorder, and got the got the tail end of this bigfoot running through the woods. And so if you looked at a video up, it looks pretty real to me, um, but it's like old VHS stuff and so it's kind of choppy right but the bad thing about that guy is that I think he got he got he got so he got so much notoriety on that that he he couldn't duplicate a second one so he faked the second one and then his credit his credibility went out the window
2: wow I'll definitely have to look up the uh,
1: first one yeah I think of it. (laughs) so yeah that was actually a pretty good one so
2: Awesome. So uh, we've got a few minutes left of the show. Uh, is there any social media or email or anything that anybody can get a hold of you at? Yes. To contact? Uh,
1: um, I, I, I want, I, you know, I want why did I say that <laughs> um, anybody can reach out to me if they have like any other stories like Bigfoot stories or any, anything other than Bigfoot stories, like, you know, um, um flying hominoids or, Chupacabras or whatever they can reach me at Robert J. Dominguez at yahoo.com. Uh, I'm also on Facebook. Um, I, Bigfoot club podcast is also on Facebook. So it's Bigfoot club one and we're on Twitter as Bigfoot club one, two, I mean one as well. So, and you know, we're on all the, we're on all the platforms. We're on, you know, iHeart, um, iTunes, uh, Google play. Uh, we're on actually on Alexa too. So if you say Alexa play Bigfoot club, Podcast, it actually plays it. So
2: That's awesome. Yeah, so I've got one final question mm-hmm. uh, Why is it do you think that when hunters say that they've got Bigfoot in their gun sights they can't shoot?
1: Yeah, you know, and we didn't talk about this but there was there was a guy that actually I I, I Did that I did that too. He actually uh was a good friend of mine his brother His brother was a hunter and he was a big dude. He's like six seven and uh, I think he had a 30-06, and um, he was in a tree stand, and this Bigfoot came up and started looking at him. And I, and I asked him, I said, why didn't he shoot it? He said, it looked like a, it looked like a homeless guy with a lot of hair. <laughs> that's, that's what he said, because it looked like a homeless guy. And so this guy was so scared that when I went to his house, I drove, I drove like four hours to his house. And whenever I, I got there, um, he didn't open the door he like cracked the door open with the with the chain on and slid a map out to me and said um you can go out there yourself i'm not going out there (laughs) so he was pretty scared and i asked him that question i go how come you didn't shoot it i mean you had a gun why didn't you do it he says it looked like a guy i didn't want to do it
2: wow i know i I personally i don't think i could bring myself to shoot it if it (laughs) looks yeah I couldn't either because I don't.
1: I used to carry a weapon out whenever I did when I first got into Bigfoot, mm-hmm. and I don't do it now. If I go out now, I don't even carry. I don't even carry a knife. So I think I think they know when you're there to make you know when you want to harm them and when whenever like you know you want to go out there and just experience it. So I think they actually know it. So right, I don't do it and I don't advocate it, but uh, you know. In order for this thing to be documented and, you know, put, you know, recognized by science, you're going to have to have a body. And I don't agree with it, but it's just going to have to be that way.
2: Uh, definitely. Uh, so we're going to keep you on past this. Uh, we're going to go ahead and end the show now. So I want to thank not you. Every-
0: not everybody. Thank you.
2: <laughs> and it was awesome to have you on the show. Thank you for coming on our show. I appreciate it.
0: For 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 life. Big
2: big love. For life. I must be Georgie, and so goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and good night, bye